This is the Alternative Investing Advantage podcast from Advanta IRA, where we show you how to explore investments beyond Wall Street and open your eyes to new options for your portfolio. It's time to take control and give yourself the freedom to choose where you invest your money. another edition of the Alternative Investing Advantage podcast. My name is Alex Perney, and today we'll be covering three of the large failures in the cryptocurrency market as of recently and some of the things that people can look out for in the future and some uh, really good lessons that we can take away from this. But first, on the download, the earnings season is in full swing right now with many companies reporting uh, some kind of mixed bag of earnings reports. However, we are seeing some actual good news come out of the tech sector, which has just been getting hammered all year long. Uh, the earnings reports from Google's parent company, Alphabet, have actually uh, beat revenue Uh, projections for their ad revenue uh, specifically. Some of their other revenue projections uh, were down a little bit, but it is causing a 4% jump in after hours trading on Tuesday, 726, uh, which is phenomenal news for any any of those of us that are invested in the tech sector. However, Alphabet is still trading down 27% year to date. So they got a long way to go to kind of make up the ground from where they started to where they're at now. However, it's not just Alphabet that's posting some good reports. Microsoft, another winner in the earnings season reports, which is posting 12% revenue growth year over year to $51.9 billion. Now, that is just absolutely phenomenal coming on just a a very, very um, uh, gloomy outlook on the tech sector. But it is being propped up right now by there is the chip plus bill being pushed through the United States Senate right now, which is going to offer huge amounts of subsidies towards chip manufacturing plants that to be built in the United States, which uh, has all the all the earmarks of that it looks like it's going to actually pass. So that's a really big uh, benefit to any type of uh, any type of company that's involved within the tech sector that has hardware manufacturing goals uh, seems to be like it's going to actually pass and going to be a big benefit to those companies. People like Intel, NVIDIA, AMD, or some stocks to really watch out for if this actually goes through because it's going to actually uh, hopefully shift some of that manufacturing back to the United States. Back in 1990 uh, to 92, we had about 24 to 30% of the total chip manufacturing in the world being done right here in the United States. And as of right now, we're hovering around 4% of silicone, uh, silicon uh, chip manufacturing and uh, circuit board manufacturing being done in the United States. So hopefully that will start to point the um, direction a little bit more favorable for hardware manufacturers as well in the United States. In general, stock futures have been rising over the past week. Uh, Tech-heavy NASDAQ uh, are seeing about a 1% to 2% increase in that particular uh, market, uh, in that particular uh, market index. So again, with these earnings reports coming out, it is... um, you know, hopefully going to be a, a good benefit to a lot of people uh, with the Fed ex- coming on the heels of the Fed expecting to raise interest rates by about 50 to 75 basis points today, uh, which will further help to dampen the already uh, shifting mood in the real estate market. It's definitely going to start to decrease demand with money getting so much more expensive. Now, these are some of the largest rate hikes that we have seen in the past 20 to 30 years. So seeing the mortgage rates uh, for the end consumer on 30-year fixed mortgage products going into the 6 maybe even 7% range 
with these uh, very significant increases in the base lending rate will definitely be something to look at. Now, while this may not necessarily be good for people trying to buy their first home, it definitely opens up a very good investment opportunity for those of you that are looking to maybe buy real estate as an investment. Because now people, if you are in a favorable cash position, or even if you have things like uh, IRAs or 401ks that you're looking to get into the market with, you're going to start seeing a pretty good drop in home prices. Now we're already starting to see new home sales dropping to the lowest point since the pandemic began in 2020 with a 8.1% slide just this year since January. Now, new home sales aren't necessarily what investors are typically going to be looking for. Most of the time, people are looking for you know things that have uh, been been seasoned, if you will, for a little while. But at least that indicator of new home sales going down being people that are typically going to be buying these as you know owner occupied properties uh hopefully we'll start to show a little bit of where some investment opportunities can be had within the real estate market with these prices that we've been seeing just continue to go up and up and up uh hopefully we're start- going to start seeing a little bit of a market cool off and some opportunities for investors to get in there uh and interesting uh financial uh, news the um, with regard to investment product or I should say investment products or insurance products uh, the few of the Japanese uh, insurance agencies have started offering and selling heat stroke insurance amid this global uh, heat wave that we're seeing in the northern hemisphere right now I thought that was kind of interesting uh, that uh, there would be heat stroke insurance being offered so I hope everyone's trying to stay cool out there uh, you know, we're here down in Florida, it is certainly hot. And I know in other parts of the country in the world that are in the summer months right now are definitely uh, seeing that that heat wave as well. Crypto prices, um, although have more than half of where they were at the beginning of the year, seeing seeing Bitcoin trading at around 20,000 right now per coin from the highs of about 60, obviously losing a significant amount of value there, over two and a half trillion dollars worth of value wiped out of crypto markets just this year, or actually just since May of this year, is just absolutely wild to look at. But the price seems to be stabilizing for some of the larger coins with Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, having a relatively stable price point for at least the past 30 days. So for those people that are maybe looking to get into the crypto market or buy at a relatively, you know, quote, stable point, now might be a good time to look back into that. Uh, Some of the dust is settling and we're seeing how some of these larger issues are playing out. So definitely something to look into uh, with that. And there is some additional uh, legislative things that are coming down the pipeline that also might make it a little bit more of a favorable and regulated market as well. Uh, Some of the larger uh, crypto exchanges such as Coinbase and Kraken are both under Department of um, Justice investigation right now. Um, and this is kind of coming on the heels of some some proposed legislation to kind of tight, have more tighter regulation in these markets. Currently, <laughs> Coinbase is being uh, investigated for allowing investments that should have been registered as securities on their platform. Uh, so retail investors buying things that should have been regulated and disclosed as securities. And then Kraken, a little bit more uh, serious note, the Department of Justice is alleging that they allowed Iranian investors to trade on their platform directly. So definitely something to look out for if you're interested in getting involved in crypto. Now that we're seeing some of the the dust settle and some of the larger uh, shifts that were happening in May and June uh, start to kind of run their course, 
if you're interested, I would always encourage people, and we'll get into this a little bit later on in the podcast, it is absolutely imperative with markets like these that are so unregulated to do good and thorough research about where you're investing your money in and understanding the inherent risk. Because companies that are out there that are promoting certain products or promoting certain services may not actually be providing you with the service or product that you're actually looking for. So again, it's incredibly important to understand these things. And we'll get into a little bit more of those uh, later on here in a bit. With that said, this is the download. Today on the what is a little bit of a uh, specific one, we're going to be talking about what is SIPA or the Securities Investors Protection Act. This is a body of legislation that came out of the Great Depression, uh, pretty much around the mid-1930s in the tail end of the Great Depression. The lawmakers were trying to prevent some of the insolvency issues that were happening with financial institutions from affecting investors as much as they did with putting a body of legislation out there that would help to protect the underlying investors in brokerages from the insolvency of the company. Uh, It is not necessarily a bankruptcy court, but it does have to do when when a brokerage firm is insolvent, it is a body of legislation that covers how the insolvency is handled. And it has to do with appointing trustees to either Uh, allocate assets to then in turn be paid out to the investors or the account holders first in the covered accounts, or to then in turn take the assets and try to liquidate as much cash and bring as much cash value back to the underlying accounts that the brokerage held to make them as whole as possible in the event of insolvency of the actual company uh, that was holding the 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 accounts. Now, this is important for what we're going to cover, the SIPA regulations, because It is different from Chapter 11, Chapter 7 bankruptcy, where it is the company seeking protection and the payout for the actual investors in a company are ordered much farther down the ordering of whom gets paid first in these type of bankruptcy proceedings. So again, the the what is today is SIPA, which is the Securities Investor Protection Act of 1938. So today, what I want to cover is a little bit detail-oriented, and I'll try to make sure that people can understand this as much as possible. And if you were affected by uh, one of these uh, three, for lack of a better term, collapses, then uh, you know my sympathy definitely goes out to you. But what I want to cover here and what I want to get across to people is making sure you do your research when it comes to whom you're investing with. And this is important no matter if you're buying a single-family home, if you're lending someone money, or if you're investing with any type of financial institution. And that's especially true in the cryptocurrency space. Now, cryptocurrency, at least over the past 10 to 15 years, has kind of gotten its traction on the fact that it is decentralized. It is something outside the norms of the typical banking structure that we have. And in many ways, that's a very good thing. It allows for a lot of people to invest and to hold currencies that are readily exchangeable between different markets, different areas of the globe, uh, and and different geopolitical climates. We saw this with people that had 
that were being displaced by the war in Ukraine, utilizing cryptocurrencies to actually buy and sell things with people when the financial markets in that particular country were being greatly affected. So it definitely has use and and facilitating trade and exchange across a wide variety of barriers that otherwise would have to go through traditional banking systems. However, with that trade-off of the decentralization, you also have non-regulated markets occurring. Now, a lot of people when it comes to cryptocurrency type what will typically like to promote in some cases that it's a good thing that this lack of regulation will inherently make things easier for people to make more money and be more in a position to uh, invest in ways that they otherwise wouldn't be able to under the quote, you know, more restrictive banking system. Now, this is all well and good if it's practiced with integrity, but the problem is, is that we're having the deregulation and the lack of oversight from governments, which again, can be a little bit of a hindrance and be burdensome to, in some regards, really affecting the end user in very bad ways because of the because of the lack of regulation. Now, the three main people that I want to focus on today are the Celsius Network, Voyager and Three Arrows Capital. Now, all three of these people, all three of these companies have issued either statements of intent to file bankruptcy. Uh, they are being actively investigated for their actions within this. So this isn't any type of speculation. This is just going to cover what is actually verifiable information right now. Now, Celsius and Voyager Network were two companies that promoted the decentralized finance model of saying that, hey, we are not banks. You know, they weren't promoting themselves as banks. They were, in some cases, actually promoting themselves as, you know, the antithesis of a bank, uh, where you could actually, you know, make your spread on the the banking side of things by the taking in and then lending out portion directly, as opposed to you just giving your money to a bank traditionally, getting the security of that you know large financial institution, keeping you from having to worry about cash under the mattress, and then the bank lending it out and giving you a certain you know interest rate for the fact that you had a deposit there. Now, first off, let's look at Voyager. Voyager had over 2.7 million users before May of this year, and they built themselves as a lending platform that operated um, in over 80 that that excuse me they build themselves as a lending platform where essentially you would deposit your crypto with Voyager so you would take it out of your own wallet deposit it with this company and then it would be lent out by them in order to make money and then they would pay you a certain rate on that quote deposit and there was a lot of information being put out there that's exactly you know how they were operating now it's always something interesting to look at they also during the period of the last year spent over 80 million dollars in marketing expenses in financial disclosures that are publicly available now Throughout their operations, you would deposit your crypto and then it would be lent out. So like in a traditional bank, you deposit money, the money gets lent out, the bank makes money on the interest of what they lend out, and then they give you a certain percentage of interest back. Now, what I really want people to understand is that when things look too good to be true, typically they are. Most of the time when you see deposit accounts and even things like CDs and even longer term products, you're not going to see interest rates really anywhere past maybe 4%. Voyager and by extension Celsius uh, and some of their products were offering up to 9% return on your deposited crypto. So again, that being kind of a big dangling carrot got a lot of people to come in and deposit their crypto with 
with Voyager. Now, with no oversight, the company uh, was able to make very risky moves uh, with client deposits or client assets. Um, and they essentially lent out to a company called Three Arrows Capital almost half of their assets that they had taken in from clients. They had lent this one company $650 million of of crypto assets. Uh, and then that company had in turn bet it on Terra Luna. Now I've kind of covered Terra Luna in the past. Uh, Terra Luna is one of the large quote stable coins that essentially now is defunct. The, it is not traded. It is essentially valueless. And this loan, again, almost over half of their loans that they lent out uh, essentially went into a hedge fund that made a bet on a cryptocurrency that is completely insolvent now. So again, the the risks that were being taken and with the lack of oversight and regulation uh, is really clear that doing things like this can have extremely adverse effect for the underlying investor because things like this being marketed, deposit your crypto, get a certain you know great rate of return uh, are very attractive to, to clients, especially for people getting into this when it seems just something that's very, very simple can have, again, very bad effects if there isn't regulation and oversight other than just the people that are operating the company. Now, with regard to Voyager specifically, they also marketed that there was FDIC coverage on cash deposits with them. However, again, in needing to read fine print when it comes to investing with companies like this, the cash deposits weren't actually held with any particular bank. It was money deposited to accounts held by Voyager. And, you know, essentially FDIC is not going to cover that because they're not a financial institution, you know, billing themselves as the anti-bank. Essentially now clients are left holding the bag by saying, hey, I deposited money with these people now that they are claiming insolvency. What is my recourse? FDIC is not going to cover it. And this has been also looked at by uh, judges right now that are going through with regard to the actual uh, bankruptcy proceedings that are that are occurring for Voyager right now as well. Presently, they have frozen all their withdrawals from their platform as the loans that they issued are now essentially in default because they made speculative loans with client assets. Now they can no longer repay the crypto that was taken in uh, to their platform. So investors are now left holding the bag. Now in looking at the end user agreement for Voyager, the actual statement on their terms of service is that the crypto deposited was actually a, was actually seen as unsecured creditors to the actual company, meaning that when clients would deposit their crypto with them, again, it's not necessarily a cash deposit, but depositing crypto with with a entity like this, it was actually seen as lending the crypto to them for them in turn to then in turn lend back out. So again, you're being put in a very um, you know low position as far as you know whom's actually going to get paid out with this. Now, due to the insolvency, they are attempting to file Chapter 11 instead of under the SIPA bankruptcy, which applies to brokers and is designed to ensure investors are made whole. Now, again, in the what is, I covered what SIPA is. So it's important to look at this where they're trying to say that, hey, we're not a brokerage. We're going to file under Chapter 11. It's going to put the depositors, and I use the de term depositor very loosely, in a very disadvantageous position on actually getting made whole because the under Chapter 11, the actual investor or unsecured creditor is going to be very far down on the list of 
whom is actually going to get paid out if there is anything actually to pay out. So currently right now in the court system that is being looked at on whether or not this is going to be treated as a SIPA filing where there's going to be an appointed trustee in liquidation, uh, which essentially would you know, ensure that Voyager is then no longer able to operate. Chapter 11 would allow them to continue to operate throughout the uh, bankruptcy proceedings. But as of right now, any of the investors that are looking to withdraw are still being frozen out. Uh, there have been some uh, withdrawals, but um, as for all our intents and purposes, uh, you know, people that have or had cash and capital and assets with Voyager, again, are now left holding a a very heavy bag of what it could potentially be losses of all of their underlying investment with that particular company. Now, in a very similar vein, we have a company called Celsius, which froze all their withdrawals on June 5th of 2022. And again, they build themselves as more of, you know, kind of the anti-bank, getting out of the centralized finance and having a model that looks like a bank, smells like a bank, but they didn't want to be called a bank, is, again, kind of a frightening scenario. And I think you're going to see how this is going to play out as well. Uh, they had they took in over $25 billion in crypto assets from clients and they marketed their services so you could deposit your cryptocurrency and then have it lent out just like a bank. However, in their terms of service, again, it stated that you were actually an unsecured creditor. More simply, you lent your crypto to Celsius, which then in turn lent it out as well. So making withdrawals from that type of service means that you're actually calling a loan due. Now, this is significantly different from a bank where the money you deposit into that actual platform is your money and you withdraw it because there are different liquidity standards and stating that a bank can't lend out 100% of its underlying capital. But if you are lending someone money, there isn't any type of regulation, and especially if they're not registered or regulated like a bank, that would keep them from then in turn completely investing the entire amount of money that they're taking in because there's, again, no liquidity standards and also no regulation to ensure this kind of stuff doesn't happen. Now, with Celsius specifically, there have been three different instances where there were different investment and different actions taken by them that essentially caused significant losses that <clears throat> were typically things that you would attribute to inexperience in particular markets. And with companies that grow as fast as this and try to scale as fast as this, it's not surprising that things like this can happen. Now, they apparently operated in a manner that they were unable to repay their deposits as they made uh, loans to projects and companies that also went bankrupt. Again, Three Arrows Capital plays into this as one of the other companies that Celsius had lent out actual funds too. So two companies, Celsius and Voyager, which operated very similarly, were also lending their crypto assets out to Three Arrows Capital. And we'll cover what Three Arrows Capital is in a moment. But between these two institutions, let's call them, they had well over 3 million users and almost $100 billion in assets that essentially are now locked up. Granted, with the fluctuations in prices, it's hard to necessarily say, you know, what is actually going on and how much capital is actually potentially going to be lost between the two of these. But it's important to understand that the people that were being taken in by this were being billed on a very specific 
product that was being offered. And it really wasn't the case. And the main thing that I want to get across to people is that you can see some of this in terms of service when you read it. Now, most of us just kind of gloss over that kind of thing when we open up a bank account. You know, when I opened up, and I'll be the first one to say, when I opened up a IRA at Fidelity, I just clicked through and did not read a single line of the terms of service with regard to that account. Should I have? Absolutely. But there's a degree of comfort and a degree of security that you have from invest from investing and depositing money with a federally regulated type of financial institution such as that. With these types of things, when you're having companies that are offering investments that are wholly unregulated, that are operating, you know, kind of in a wild, wild west fashion, things like this are bound to happen. So while I'm not necessarily a big proponent of increased government regulation, there needs to be some oversight to this. It can't just be self-regulated. It can't just be self-regulated financial institutions that go out there and then ultimately leave investors holding what is essentially going to be a worthless account. And there have been very sad stories with people. And again, these people definitely should have done research and you should never put all of your eggs in one basket, but with people and stories coming out of that, they're losing, you know, have cashed in 401ks to do all of this or have mortgaged homes. And granted, I, I very much hope that these are a minority of people and these people, and there aren't, aren't a lot of these types of people, but <clears throat> these are real people that are being very adversely affected by the fact that there is simply very little regulation around these types of investments and these types of investment companies that are operating. Now let's get into Three Arrows Capital because they're kind of important to understand how they play into all this because just like we have hedge funds on Wall Street that bet on, I shouldn't say that, that invest in a certain manner and in the securities realm of buying and trading options, derivatives, securities, all these regulated financial instruments that are also in turn themselves regulated by the federal government and FINRA and other types of financial regulators. We have Three Arrows Capital, which operated out of Singapore, which essentially started uh, with a couple traders from Credit Suisse uh, in Singapore. And then they moved over into operating their own hedge fund about 10 years ago. They started getting into the cryptocurrency space. And before too long, they had essentially borrowed crypto assets from 35 different sources amounting to $3.5 billion in cryptocurrency assets that they had taken in. Now, this hedge fund, as hedge funds do, they then in turn make different financial investments across different markets in order to try to add value and make money. Now, the problem is, is that these companies that had lent them crypto, again, were doing it with their clients' assets. And in the case of Celsius and Voyager, Voyager lending them $650 million of capital, uh, you can kind of see where a huge dip in cryptocurrency prices, if that is your whole market strategy, can be very damaging. And essentially, that's what happened, is that these companies that had lent them all this money when cryptocurrency prices and especially Terra Luna took a dive earlier this year and cryptocurrency values fell off a cliff in May, you have a wholly based cryptocurrency hedge fund, again, 
having essentially worthless paper to all of these other companies, which causes a huge ripple effect, not only the other investments that these companies make, but a large chunk of where they invested their money in order to try to make returns to pay out to their investors, essentially going insolvent. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist for, for most people to see how this kind of plays out. And again, this is going back to the point of being such an unregulated market, people need to be extra, double, triple, quadruply careful when it comes to how they actually invest into these types of things. So especially with cryptocurrency, a few things that I want people to understand. Cryptocurrency exchanges such as, and I'll use Coinbase and Kraken as an example because I mentioned them in the download. Essentially, when you purchase things on a cryptocurrency exchange, you actually own that cryptocurrency. Now, if you leave it on a hot wallet on that exchange, there might be some issues if that if that exchange were to become insolvent of how you actually get your assets back or the management and administration of those assets. But you do have the option to take those things off that exchange and put them into cold storage. Uh, there's things like the Nano Ledger and different types of wallet products where you can actually pull that stuff off of, the, off of that, quote, hot wallet and keep it personally and keep it very secure. Now, <clears throat> with places like Celsius and Voyager, you actually have given your assets to this other person, just like, let's say you owned a car and you gave it to someone else and then they were able to go rent it out and just pay you for that service. That's kind of what was happening in this case is that you were, people were lending their assets to these companies and through marketing and a lot of different kind of, you know, big flashy lights, the fine print was missed. <clears throat> the research wasn't done. And Ultimately, what happened due to lack of oversight, a lot of people are now in very bad positions on being able to ever possibly recoup any of their investments with these companies. So what I want to get across to people is make sure that you do your research, especially in cryptocurrency. Understand that there are very, very large risks with such a volatile market. And the volatile markets aren't just going to affect, oh, I bought one Bitcoin or I bought some Ethereum and my prices go up and down. With this market evolving and maturing, you have people that are going to be getting into solely investing in cryptocurrency as the whole market strategy for that company. And especially when you have the evolution of things like crypto hedge funds, if you have an entire market get completely rocked, like we did with Terra Luna, which wiped off billions and billions of dollars from the market, and you have a whole market that tracks almost $2 trillion within the course of three months, I mean, that's a that's a retraction that we haven't seen in almost any market. I mean, including the great recession of the early 2000s, that kind of market retraction has just, just has not happened and especially happened in such a short amount of time. So again, be careful with where you invest. If you're going to invest, absolutely do your research. Make sure that you understand exactly what is being offered and understand the fact that People can really say whatever they want to in an unregulated market. For example, the FDIC coverage that was being promoted by one of the companies, it is extremely unclear if that actually was or how it was being marketed and if anyone is actually covered by that. The security and benefit you get from investing in maybe a heavily regulated market, such as banking and securities and real estate and things like that, Yes, there may be some headaches to actually have to go through with regard to investing your money. But the ultimate benefit is that when there are extreme market conditions, 
you have people that have been looked at, audited, and are essentially playing by the rules and in good faith to their underlying investors. And unfortunately, right now, we're seeing companies that are trying to even get out of the, you know, what probably should be the way that these bankruptcy and the insolvencies are handled with SIPA, trying to file things like Chapter 11, which would put their underlying investors in a significantly worse position. So if people have questions and you want to learn more about cryptocurrency investing, it is something that we would be happy to give you some more information on. But when it comes to crypto platforms where you hand over your you hand over your assets to that actual platform, I would tell people to be extremely wary of that just because that if it is something structured as an unsecured creditor, essentially you're giving them an unsecured loan of your assets and then they have full discretionary authority to go out and invest them as they see fit and we have such a precipitous drop in markets, it is almost inevitable that these kind of things, you know, can happen and investors can can end up Again, in a very bad position. So with that said, I hope you I hope everyone got some value out of this and found something interesting with what is happening in the cryptocurrency markets. My name is Alex Perney. This has been the Alternative Investing Advantage Podcast. Thanks for joining. Thank you for tuning in to the Alternative Investing Advantage Podcast. Tune in next week for more investing tips and strategies. Want to hear more episodes of the Alternative Investing Advantage? Search podcast at advantaira.com and subscribe.